everybody, it's Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. Well, I don't mean to sound like a broken record. Like a broken record? Like a bro- You don't even know what a broken record is, do you? Well, some of you do. I mean, you know in theory what a record is, but yeah, I know, we're getting old here. But I don't want to just repeat myself for repetition's sake. But there's some things we've forgotten. They're foundational to the gospel, and we're moving on like it's no big deal. I'm going to focus in on those things today. Without the fruit of the Spirit, we have absolutely nothing. Fairly Spiritual, coming up next. Spiritual show. We bring you uh, new content twice a week, unless I fail to bring you new content. But uh, we've got a new radio show on Fridays on KCIS in the Seattle area. And then we have a new podcast that's on every Wednesday. And this is the Wednesday podcast. And so we're going to do that for a while. Two new shows a week, one on the radio. One right here in podcast form. Both of them will be uh, on the podcast, but the Wednesday show is podcast only. And you're going to find the Wednesday show to be a little bit more free, a little bit more relaxed. Oh, I don't know if I'm nervous on the Friday show, but we're, we're just going to be a little bit more free form on the Wednesday edition. So uh, last Friday, I went back on the radio for the first time in, uh, I don't know how many years it's been. But for five years, I did a daily radio show, 1,200 radio shows. Yes, that's a lot of talking. I did a two-hour talk show on a station in the Seattle area. I uh, put that aside, did some other things, and the Lord called me to be back on the radio. So I started up a a once-a-week radio show. It's just a half-an-hour show. And uh, thank you. Some of the listeners of this podcast are helping support that. And I'd love it if you could help. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org and uh, your donation will help broadcast on the radio. And some people say, why the radio, Doug? You know, it's outdated, it's boring. I don't even listen to the radio. Here's the thing about the radio. For podcast, you're listening right now. You probably know something about what this is going to be about. You're already maybe welcoming the message. You're a friend of the show. Uh, But with radio, it's a passive audience that is not necessarily welcoming what I'm going to say. So it's, it's kind of a fun environment to reach new people. There are people who are just listening to a show before mine and will listen to one after mine. And I get to reach people who might not have heard this message. And what you find is uh, it has a very powerful evangelistic focus when you go on the radio. I will reach people who are desperately hoping to hear a better word, and they'll hear the show, and it will be an answer to a prayer. I'll reach other people who will get very angry with me and want me off the air and will just become thorns in my flesh. So so both things will happen. But to me, it's very important that we have in our Christian media a better witness. And I decided instead of just complaining about what I don't like, that I still want to have a better witness, not just in podcast form, but also uh, in radio form when I can. So I would love it if you could support 
me in that endeavor. Uh, but on today's show, I want to talk about uh, what we've forgotten. That we've forgotten things or we've moved on and we've said, you know, there's things in the past. They're old, passe, time to stay present, time to stay with, you know, the future even, and uh, let the past be the past. But the things we've forgotten are central to the gospel, and we can't move on. In fact, we, we just won't. I just won't. I'd rather be a broken record or a really annoying person who keeps bringing up these old, outdated ideas. Uh, I, I'd just rather be that person, just some crazy guy on the radio or in podcast form, who goes back to these things that we've just stopped talking about or we've moved on because I believe if we don't deal with these foundational issues, none of the other stuff we do matters. I I really don't think it matters at all if we do the other stuff. Now, speaking of things forgotten, I saw this great story. This is in the Telegraph News uh, about a cat that just wouldn't disappear uh, this was uh, January 8th, 2018, this story came out. So it's it's relatively recent. But a f- it says a family was left in shock after their cat, w- <laughs> which went missing 15 years ago. Okay, that's what got my attention. 15 years ago. I mean, that's the lifespan of some cats, right? <laughs> when their cat, which went missing 15 years ago, was found. Originally from Cornwall, Winston the cat disappeared back in 2002 after his owner, Janet Barnes, moved in with her new husband, Peter. Now, (laughs) to me, there's a subtext here. (laughs) She had this cat for two years, and uh, then she finds, you know, the love of her life, a man that she decides to marry. And the cat, in my opinion, was like, I'm not having, you know, Winston's like, nope. This is not what I signed up for. I'm out of here. And so it just happens to correspond that when she moves in uh, with her new husband, Winston moves out. He's like, that's it. It's either Peter or me. You've got to pick. (laughs) And so uh, he was gone. The couple said Winston would often go off on his own, but they believed it (laughs) was... go off on his own for 15 years, would often go off on his own, but they believed it was the move that caused their feline friend to disappear. So here's the other subtext, right? Winston is just hanging out with his owner. She's really nice. And now she's like moving into this guy's house, getting married. Uh, Also, it says here that they moved into a house where uh, the house, there were teenagers there. There was a dog there. We all know what happened. Winston, you know, he he said, you know, maybe I can make this work. I'm not an intolerant cat. Went into the home, saw the chaos, saw the dog, saw the teenagers, saw this dude that was now in the picture. And Winston just, you know, slipped out and was gone for 15 years. Uh, Mr. Barnes, uh, who married into the family there, uh, said, to be honest, it's just unbelievable It really is so lovely to have him back. Now, (laughs) maybe it's because I own cats. I don't, I just feel like this might not be sincere because kind of the best life of a cat is those 15 years. I don't know if you know anything about cats, but the last few years of a cat's life 
are complex. They're not easy. There's there's lots of cleanup. And so, so basically, I think this is just Winston's last revenge. He's like, you know, I'm going to live the best parts of my life outside this home, but I'm coming back uh, when you got to take care of me. Because uh, anybody who's owned a cat... Now, if you bond with it for 15 years, that's great. You know, you take care of it. But, they, you know, really not much bonding going on with Winston. Now uh, Winston's going to just live his last couple years here. Who knows how long uh, he'll continue on in this new environment. Winston had one of those uh, chips, you know, that they, they used to locate him. They uh, Someone picked him up, found him as a stray. Uh, they located the chip and brought him home. And there was a wonderful reunion. 15 years, Winston was missing, and now he is found. He was lost, but now he is found. So I was thinking in this story of things that are forgotten, things that are lost, things that are found. Even even in our our Christian life, there's things when we first became Christians that were very central to us, just individually, that were, were key elements in our life. We're like, this is what it's all about. If you can remember that in your testimony where where you just felt something like the the new creation. You were a new creation and, and something rose up in you or there was a passion in you. And as you walked as a Christian over time, uh, that waned. It went away. You no longer expressed that. Can you think about some of those areas, whether, whether it was a passion for the gospel, maybe it was a passion for outreach. Maybe there was just a joy that you had, this sincere joy that you had in the Lord. And, and if you look back on it now, you don't have that joy. Or maybe there was just a Christ-likeness, a love, a fruit of the Spirit that you had that you no longer have. Now, I'm not you know, dealing with today's show so you can feel bad about yourself, but let's just look at that for a second. You know, there are things that we had maybe 10 years, 15, 20, depending on how old you are, 30, 40 years ago, old or years ago, depending upon how long you've lived or when you became a Christian, that you've either forgotten or that have just waned in your life. Not just individually, it seems like there are things in the American church that that we've moved beyond, that we're interested in other things. I've noticed recently there's a there's a big movement where in some Christian circles they're very upset about uh, social justice. They're very upset about, you know, there's there's a biblical understanding of social justice. If you just uh, search justice uh, in the Bible, just justice, there's a biblical understanding of justice. God cares about the poor, the needy. He cares about prisoners. He cares about the foreigner. You just search justice in your Bible and you'll find what true social justice is, that God cares about uh, not just individual sins, but he cares about collective sins. He cares about institutional sins. That, yes, individual sins are important, are individual sins, but also there can be collective injustices. There can be injustices by rulers and people in authority or people with great wealth and power that uh, you just look, just search riches or, or, or scriptures about being rich or scriptures about justice, and you'll see that God very much cares about injustices in this world. And so these things are important. Justice is important to God. There are collective things that are important. But what I've seen is I saw there was this big statement where people were upset about social justice and they were 
writing that this is the biggest danger to the church. And they wrote this big statement about what was wrong with social justice and, and all these it was this very long statement about what we affirm and what we deny and what we agree with and just really long. And what was troubling to me, not just that I didn't really agree with the statements, but what was troubling to me that we as, as Christians have lost some basic decency, that there are some foundational issues that we are not addressing. We are not addressing the basic issues of the fruit of the Spirit. We're not addressing the basic issues of love. Even the statement itself showed that we're not addressing love because in it they were basically attacking or belittling or just speaking against anyone who said, you know, one of the issues we got to deal with is racial injustice. Well, here's the deal. If 80% or 90% of of blacks in America believe there's a problem with race in America, if you love uh, someone who's different than you, instead of telling them, ah, it's just not a problem, what you do instead of making a statement, instead of signing a petition, instead of uh, you know writing your name on what you affirm and you deny, is you begin to hang out with people who are different than you, and you begin to listen to them, and you begin to learn from them and you actually think, well, maybe if 80 or 90% of people who are different than me view it differently, people of a different race view it differently, that in order to understand them, in order to truly love them, that I'm going to spend my time doing a lot less speaking and a lot more listening and abiding with, that I'm going to communicate in a way where after we're done communicating, I'm going to make sure that they genuinely feel loved and heard and understood. That the goal of my communication is not just so that I said some right statement, but that there is true reconciliation. And if there's not true reconciliation where we are closer to God and closer to each other, then I'm going to question the motivation of what I'm doing. We've missed some of the foundational principles of why we are to gather together as the church why we are to exist as Christians, and the way we are communicating is so foreign to some of the basic principles of Scripture. And here's just one. Here's just one thing that we've forgotten. Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I just read those off, and some people are just like, da 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 It's just going over your head. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This, this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, anyone who is in Christ, who has the Holy Spirit abiding in you, this is to be the fruit of your life. This is the fruit of your life, like a sign that someone is being led by the Holy Spirit, that you are a Christ follower full of the Holy Spirit. This is to be the fruit of your life, not just the fruit of some people, not just those nice people, not just those those, yeah, you know, they're just those people who are all touchy-feely. No, this is actually what a Christian is supposed to look like who is full of the Holy Spirit being led by God. If a Christian is led by God, they've been saved and, and given the Holy Spirit, uh, full of the fruit of the Spirit, this is how their life is supposed to be expressed. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That means our Christian witness should be one of tremendous love, tremendous joy, 
peace, patience. That's a sign if you're if you're talking with a Christian, let's say through let's just go through social media here. If you're talking with a Christian on social media, they should be incredibly loving, incredibly joyful, constantly trying to bring peace to the situation, incredibly patient, kind. And and by the way, if someone ever accuses you of not being kind, then your goal is to be kind, not to be mean, not to justify it, to realize that if the way I'm communicating is causing other people to believe that I'm not kind, then it's my job to find a way to be kind. The fruit of the Spirit is full of goodness. That means Christians would be defined as people who are just full of goodness when it comes to social media, faithfulness, gentleness. That means uh, any pastor on social media would be gentle. Gentleness is not a little thing. Gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness is a sign that Christ is in the room. And, and again, people get upset with gentleness. They go, ah, that's not true. I just don't believe that. That's just, that just can't be. People immediately will tell me, well, you know, Jesus turned over tables. One, he did it once in a very specific setting in the temple. And specifically because they were selling, uh, basically there's two things. They were money, money exchangers and they were also selling, uh, basically what they were doing is they were keeping people who had to travel a long distance from being able to give their offerings to the Lord. They were, they were using people who had to travel the farthest. They were basically uh, abusing them by making it hard or making it where, it, making a profit off these people. Basically, using the temple to make a cheap profit and distancing people from God's presence and distancing people from being able to worship where it's just about God. Instead, it's basically becoming shills. And so he turns over those tables. And again, of course, Jesus is known as loving and as gentle and as kind. So that's why it's such a radical expression, because he's known as gentle. And in response, even to this radical thing of turning over tables, we know that later, when uh, he is being attacked by the religious leaders, he doesn't turn over more tables. He actually lays down his life and lets them beat him and lead him to a cross. So even though he does that strong prophetic act of turning over tables, he actually lays down his life and allows the religious leaders to harm him and allows the Roman leaders to harm him. And he goes to the cross and becomes the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ is gentle. His words aren't gentle in the sense of their impact on the world. They're powerful. He comes as a gentle lamb. The fruit of the Spirit is gentle. Just do a word study on gentle. Just search gentle. You find it all over in the scripture. Self-control. Christians are to be known as self-control. That's why there's just no excuse. Like, why did you just get all crazy on Facebook? Why are you fighting with people? Well, he just made me so angry. Now there's just no excuse. There's just no excuse. Christians are to express the most self-control. We are to be loving, patient, peaceful, kind, good, faithful, gentle, 
full of self-control. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, Paul says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. I, I, I know in some ways this can be so boring to people. We want to talk about other things. We want to move on to other sexier things. But if we don't have this down, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is a central, central reality. If we don't reflect the fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many crusades, it doesn't matter how many crusades Franklin Graham has. If Christians don't reflect the fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many sermons we preach. It doesn't matter how many podcasts we do. It doesn't matter how many books we write. We've lost. If we forget that, if we move forward, and I started this show with, you know, they forgot their cat when they moved into their new environment. If we forget the most central foundations of the gospel as we move forward, then we're not moving forward. We've lost everything. We've lost the reason for our existence. And I, I, I just, I am astounded when I'm around Christians and they begin to talk about the reason Christianity isn't doing well in America or the true problem with the advancement of the gospel. And they refuse to address this issue. They'll say it's, you know, it's the Supreme Court. If we just had the right Supreme Court justices, righteousness would enter the land. And I'm just, what a foolish notion. The laws of the land will only be as righteous as the people. And if the people are not loving, the laws are meaningless. If the politicians aren't loving, I don't care what they implement. Does it mean God can work through unjust politicians? Sure. And can he work through laws even if people are unjust? I, I get it. Th those, things, those things can have value, but they are so secondary to what this life in Christ is supposed to be about. This life in Christ is supposed to be rooted in love. And we've moved on. We just move on. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I guess. There's nowhere to move on if, if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit. There's, there's nowhere to move on to. I was looking at this in uh, Philippians 2. Here's another admonition from Paul. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So Paul says, if you want to truly partner with me, bring me true joy. If you truly want to know what this is all about, this is what you need to do. And here's his instruction. 
do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Does that even define anything you see on social media? Anything you see with Christians and politics? With humility, count others more significant than yourselves? We have Christians literally uniting themselves with some of the most arrogant people on the face of the earth. Believing that the most arrogant people on the face of the earth will establish the fruit of the Spirit on earth? He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Nothing. A Christ-like leader, a Christ-like kingdom, a Christ-like nation does nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is our mindset, to humble ourselves, to become the servant of all. He says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's our foundation. That's where we start. We don't start with the voting booth. We start with these foundations. Paul says, you want to know what this is about? The example of Christ. Be like Christ. Humble yourself. Do nothing out of vain conceit or selfish ambition. Consider others above yourself. Become the servant of all. That's how the kingdom advances. Welcome the fruit of the Spirit. Kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. That, that's where the kingdom of God abides. Until we remember that foundation, everything we are doing is just being built upon shifting sand. I don't want to move on from that. That's important for my life personally. I don't want to move on from that. And maybe there's things you've forgotten that when you first became a Christian, God got a hold of your heart and you've forgotten let him remind you it's about your heart. It's about the condition of your heart and your relationship with Jesus. Get your heart right with Jesus. That's what I'm trying to do. Get my heart right with Jesus. I want to grow in love. I want to grow in expressing the fruit of the Spirit. I want to grow in being the servant of all. I don't want to be captive to this world's garbage. Some of us have forgotten. We've forgotten things. And we've moved forward and the Lord says, wait a second. And he's knocking at the door and he's saying, let me in. You moved forward, 
but you moved forward without me. I want into your life. I want your life to be built on a better foundation. Let the fruit of the Spirit, let the love of God, let the humility of Christ be the foundation of your life. All right? Those are my thoughts. Okay, hey, uh, this is something I'd love it if you could do. One, can you go to the website and just check out some of the stuff there? You can go to fairlyspiritual.org. If you'd like to support our radio broadcast, that would be great. Uh, Any donation helps us tremendously. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org. And I'd really love it if you could pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. You can get that at amazon.com. Again, that's The Community of God. You can find out how to get that also at fairlyspiritual.org. All right, make room for the Lord. Let's advance a better dialogue in a frequently bitter world. I'll see you around. Another